0: As many of you know, my name is Willis Sinclair. I'm an Afro-Indigenous, non-binary local organizer here in Portland, organizing for the abolition of not just the militarized police state, but also the United States as we know. I want to make sure that while we are standing here on stolen land,
1: following program contains language and subject matter that you may consider unsuitable for children. Parental discretion is advised.
0: Greetings, Herfman, and uh, His Highness the Jackal. The
2: Jackal.
0: I'm going to pass the reins to Mr. Jackal, the new king of Britain. <laughs> you think Jackal's a rapino? I'm not sure, but
2: he'll give it to you De The Jackal. Welcome one, welcome all, welcome friends, welcome foes, once again to another episode of Inside the Jackal's Head, right here live on PSN Radio. In the background there, you heard a very confused uh, young lady. We're going to get to that uh, as I played uh, that audio in the beginning. Uh, Very troubling times, folks. This is... uh, Right now, August 16th, 2020, you heard uh, Don Bongino going off there on Antifa. Antifa. Antifascist. And as the election draws near in November, we must remember one thing above all.
0: They say, see you, bro, to get that booty, yack'em. Leg it
2: down, down a smack em, em, yak yak em. em. <laughs> Oh, got to be. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So joining me in the second hour, we have Frank Jacob, who's joining me on the show here. And uh, this is going to be awesome, guys. He's a, a tremendous filmmaker and uh, is a, a director, producer, writer. For uh, several documentaries, which I actually really have enjoyed over the last few years. Frank also has uh, TV credits. Uh, He's been very active in the uh, media front and entertainment. And uh, he has a documentary called Packing for Mars, which uh, he produced, wrote, and directed. And uh, very very interesting documentary. Uh, as you guys know, I love Martian talk. I love uh, talk about space aliens. That's you know been my thing for over a decade here on radio or podcast or whatever. This is that we're doing here on PSN Radio. But Packing for Mars, uh, the documentary, is very interesting because it takes a look at uh, what exactly might be happening on Mars. Uh, Have we made it there yet? Are we going to get there? He interviewed a lot of people and put a very interesting documentary together. That came out in 2015, so it's been a few years. He also uh, did a documentary called The Solar Revolution. And we're going to talk about not only those documentaries stuff he's doing on uh on tv just uh last year for example he produced a tv series timeless where he had uh, directed um 25 episodes i believe if i rem- remember correctly so he's very active uh i know right now we're all on covid lockdowns so it's a little tough to uh be as active as you would want to be probably but uh a fine gentleman i i spoke to him earlier and uh, i'm really really looking forward to having him on so frank and jacob will be with me and uh I, again the next hour but this hour i have a few uh news uh things i wanted to get to uh important uh stuff that's happened over this uh, week and again folks if you're uh, in lockdown mode and you haven't gone anywhere i'm sure some of this stuff might be stuff you have right on the internet maybe on my own uh, website com, maybe on uh other websites as some of the stuff has uh, been viral now for a couple of days uh but nothing more sad the when you lose a family member and uh, i just wanted to lead off with this because as you guys know i'm a trump supporter and i will be voting for uh, trump even though i am i'm still uh you know freshly out of, of uh you know jumping out of the plantation from the democratic party R- remember guys i was uh, voting blue for my entire voting in life until 2016 came along and i voted republican for the first time when I voted for Donald Trump. Now, why did I make that vote? Well, very simple. I agreed with his policies. I thought that the uh, the country needed a, a businessman to lead the way and not another lawyer or career politician. And uh, for decades, I've known who Trump is. I've seen him talk on Oprah and other TV shows. Yes, I used to watch Oprah. I was dead much into the kool-aid guys i was always drinking along with everybody and uh while he was uh, just a regular businessman they all endorsed him embraced him and loved him because he was a very wealthy businessman and when they needed his money they ran to trump rappers musicians actors everybody endorsed this man for many many years what happened he beats hillary since, uh says some uh, controversial things on a hot mic, which wasn't meant for anybody to hear, but it was actually kind of true when you talk about being a celebrity. And how you know, some uh, ladies are a little bit uh, on the uh, promiscuous side, and they like to throw themselves at some of these uh, celebrities. Do I smell a whore? So it's not like he uh, was lying about any of that stuff on the hot mic with Billy Bush, which I always find ironic. He's... A guy named Bush, and they're literally talking about. Well, you know the you know the conversation uh but this week on uh on the 14th uh president trump lost his uh, younger brother robert trump who was 71 who was about to turn uh 72 on the 26th of this month so a couple of weeks away he would have been 72 he didn't make it sadly enough he passed away in the hospital and uh, i want us to wish uh, my condolences to the uh, president on his loss because i have suffered you know losses in my family uh most uh obviously devastating was in 2016 when my mother passed away and that, that's something i'll never get over Uh so i know the void that leaves and he's lost uh a brother before and fred uh, trump senior or junior and uh, of course he lost his father and other family members and uh, he has a, a large family thankfully for him i have a, a much smaller family so uh, when i lose the matriarch of my family my mother it's a big blow to the family um not just to me but the entire family felt it uh trump uh you know loved his brother robert uh which by the way i have a half brother named robert also ironically enough uh but donald uh you know was uh, he, he said that was his best friend and uh and, you know and he was gonna miss him and he said he was a, a great person and i mean i've seen uh, a lot of uh you know stuff on robert trump seemed like a nice enough uh, man i Never saw anything, uh, you know, crazy or written about him or anything like that. Uh, But he said, uh, and I quote here, It is with heavy heart I share my wonderful brother Robert peacefully uh, passed away tonight. This was on the 14th. He said, and he followed up with, uh, He was not just my brother, he was my best friend. He'll be greatly missed, but we will meet again. His memory will live on in my heart forever. Robert, I love you. Rest in peace. And um, you know his brother passed away. Um, and that you know a, a fine statement to put out to the public. Now, what is really uh, just bizarre and what's outrageous is how the the left media has been treating this, and they are attacking. And politicizing the man's death. Nearly hours after his announcement of his passing, uh, the media left have have been going crazy attacking this guy. And we know who are, you know the players that are doing it—the same people that are in line with Antifa and the BLM movement and the riots, the looting, the burning down of government buildings. Your defund the police people, which are, you know, shrinking, by the way. If you uh, listen to Tim, uh, I think it's Tim Cash Tim Poole on YouTube. He had a very interesting video um, talking about that. And he clearly said that, yeah, the left are starting to abandon the plantation or abandon the Democratic Party because, guess what? They're starting to see the minutia. They're starting to smell it. And it smells really bad and it smells really bad because of stuff not just like this, where, I mean, this is inhumane to attack somebody for having lost a brother. I mean, how do you do that? People on Twitter are saying the president didn't love his brother because he was golfing the day before his brother died. And uh, I actually just uh, got a, a little bit into it with somebody on Facebook earlier when they posted that nonsense, and I simply said, Listen, people, and this is true across the board, people handle uh, the way they mourn, you know, uh, individually different. Nobody mourns the same way. Some people mourn and want to have a party. Some people cry. You know, when we lost George here, uh, Rodriguez uh, from SoFlo and uh, PSN, we lost him uh, last month, July 3rd. You know, some people wanted to uh, celebrate his life and uh, and do comedy skits and, and funny uh, videos and and stuff, which is fine. George was all about humor and love, you know, that kind of stuff also. Uh, but not everybody mourns like that. You know, I made a tribute video. We used, uh, you know, his pictures in the tribute video, and I put music by Jesse Randolph, who allowed me to use his song. And the reason I did that was because... I felt, you know, that's a friend of mine, how much I was going to miss this person. So the, the music, I wanted to reflect my feelings. Everybody handles things differently. Everybody uh, does things, you know, their own way, their own unique way. That's the great thing about this country. This is what I love about America. The fact that we could all have our own views, have our own way of doing things. And at the end of the day, it, it should not separate us on our core values and the way we treat each other. Unfortunately, the left has been so radicalized by stupidity and by sheer hatred of everything that doesn't align with their way of thinking that they attack everybody and anything that doesn't align to what they want. Doesn't matter anymore if it's a black or white or Hispanic. But see, when you say black lives matter, yeah, we all know black lives matter, white lives matter, Asian lives matter, felines, canines, animals, all life on the planet matters, right? We're all symbiotic beings living together. But the movement being backed by the organization black lives matter doesn't really matter. Because they're doing nothing but feeding money to Act Blue, which goes to, again, liberal Democrats like Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders. Notice a trend here. White, communist, socialist people who want to destroy this country. And when I see, you know, idiotic statements uh, attacking the president, because the day before his brother died, he went on a run of golf. Okay, after hours and hours of working, he took a couple hours to go golfing. And he's vilified. Now, when Benghazi happened, and Obama was uh, the president, he was literally golfing, taking a nap playing basketball, doing everything other than being the president that would take care of the people that died during Benghazi. Remember that. Don't forget, Hillary Clinton was involved in, the, in that whole mess also. Where was she? Sleeping. Where was he? Playing basketball. See, they don't want to tell you these details. They just want to trash Trump. That's what it all is, this is all about. So you have mass hysteria on the left, idiots running on Twitter talking about the president, the left and right, who can't keep their mouth closed, and uh, must express everything. That's the one thing I hate about social media, is, is the fact that it gives so many stupid people the platform to make not only a complete jackass out of themselves, but to indoctrinate and brainwash other stupid people to follow along the narrative of the idiotic behavior that they're endorsing. I mean, it boggles the mind we've made it this far without blowing ourselves to smithereens in this world because, honestly, we're on the page of stupidity when it comes to a lot of people in this country, and it's a sad statement because, well, you know, for the most part, individual people are very bright. But as a collective, we could act very stupid. Now, the audio that you heard earlier uh, on the show here, I want you to listen to it again because this is part of the systemic problem in this country. And, uh, you know, when you talk about uh, open borders, you talk about people coming in and flooding the country, this is why we need to vet the borders better. This reason is the reason why Trump is for cracking down on illegal immigration. Because it's not just the parents that get in, but they have children here. They indoctrinate their children with the same hatred that they came into this country with. The See, remember folks, the idea for these people is not just to come here and assimilate and become part of the United States. No. Like I played on a clip last week. The agenda is to take over radicalize, destroy this country and make it into what they want. So I want you to listen to the just the very beginning again, because it really is fascinating. Check this out.
0: Hi everyone. As many of you know my name is Willis Sinclair. I'm an Afro indigenous non binary local organizer here in Portland organizing for the abolition of not just the militarized police state but also the United States as we know.
2: The abolishment of the United States as we know it. I mean, they're not playing around. They're telling you right off the bat what this is all about. You're talking about losing the country. That's exactly what what happens here and what's happening. We're losing the country. They're trying to abolish this country. And for all you idiots on the left who are you know just the mild liberals who're like, yeah, they fund the police. They all they do is kill black people. That's all they do. They, they, just, man, they just go on and they just find a black person. And it's like, we got to kill the Negroes, so let's kill the black person. That's not what happens at all, ever. Nobody goes out there and says, hey, you know, I got a itch to kill me a black guy today. Yep, I'm going to go on and I'm going to shoot me a couple of uh, donkeys and then I'm going to go get my squad car and get myself some uh, Taco Bell and rub it in. Uh, they're going back through the border. And then I'm going to give me some Mexicans because, as we know, they're all one race. Nobody thinks that. No police officer thinks that. Even the guy who kneeled on George Floyd for 8 minutes and 46 seconds did not think that. The last thing I'm pretty sure he left his house thinking was, you know, I'm going to kill this guy named George today, uh, Floyd and uh, I'm going to kneel on his head until he dies from it situations sometimes happen. People react sometimes in the right way, sometimes in a wrong way. Obviously, what happened to George Floyd was a disaster. And uh, there's definitely manslaughter in there. Uh, you know, the officer needs to go to jail. He needs to do prison time. There's no excuse for what happened. But to get this carried away and turn into months of rioting and looting and all kinds of stupidity, and attacking the president who had nothing to do with it is sheer insanity. And it tells you why we have to be very careful in the next few months when election time is here that we don't get suckered by the left into mail-in votes, guys. This is the new hoax now for 2020. Trump wants to derail the mail system. He wants to take down the USPS. He wants to defund them because he wants to steal the election. Let me explain something to you, uh, people who don't understand the way the election mail-in ballots work. The envelope itself, you don't even have to open it up to see who you voted for. The back of the envelopes have a code on them. In the code has two letters one has each D for Democrat R for Republican based on your registration as a voter you're gonna get one or the other D for Democrat R for Republican if you're trying to rig an election okay one way or the other with this Republican or Democrat And you want to just do it easy, just get all the ballots to say one or the other, and throw them all away, set them on fire, throw them under a bridge. Do what you will. And you can get rid of thousands of voters that way. They'll never know any better. They milled in their vote. As far as as they know, everything uh, went to plan and they just lost. They have no idea. There's nothing secure about mail-in votes, in fact, uh, the states that are that have endorsed mail-in voting have all been a nightmare. New York had a nightmare with mail-in votes. I mean, they're still counting votes for; they're going to be counting votes for months on some of the races they had there. You know, Ocasio-Cortez uh, won. Uh, I'm pretty sure Dallas rigged because everybody hates her guts, and somehow she won by a landslide. How does that work? Even the people in that area are like, yeah, we don't understand how the fuck that works. I mean, uh, uh, there's no reason for it. I mean, she uh, she took away jobs, took away money. She's uh, done nothing for the area whatsoever. All she's done is gone to Congress and and fight for people uh, that are coming here illegally. And uh, talk crap about Trump. That's all she's done for, for, for what, two years? But yet she went to, on a landslide and being one of the most hated people in Congress? How does that work? It was rigged. It was rigged from the beginning. Remember, look at the people that were back there, the Young Turks, or as you know, I call them the Young Jerks, um, Stankin, all those uh, clowns over there, and uh, the Socialist Democrat group that she belonged to. They were all back, you know, they, they put her in that position. Remember, the story is her brother uh, sent in a, uh, an acting gig request for somebody who was going to play a politician. She got the role, and she's doing her job. She's a puppet. And they rigged the election for her to win. And the next one is probably uh, her replacing uh, Chucky Schumer. And one day replacing Nancy, uh, Nasty Nancy Pelosi as Speaker of the House. And then when she gets a little bit older, because she's too young now, uh, maybe she might uh, be raped to be the first female Latin descent president. Oh, that brings shivers down the spine in not a good way. Not like when you're ejaculating or anything. No, no not in that type of way. Like just... Like, when somebody's running their nails on a chalkboard, and you're like, whoa, that's just horrible. Her voice makes me want to regurgitate. (laughs) So, let's not mix words here, guys. But that's the future of the Democratic Party. According to them, anyway. Now, I do have a couple other stories uh, that I wanted to get to, but I did want to leave it off with the uh, Robert Trump passing because, uh, again, uh, it's very sad what happened. Uh, You know, he just passed away and uh, he was younger than uh, Donald Trump and uh, it's sad to see how the uh, left has uh, completely tried to uh, politicize the men's death. It's it's disgusting behavior, guys. It really is. Uh, But, uh, you know, that's not the only thing i wanted to bring up and uh you know if you guys want to follow along on this one this is uh again really really interesting stuff uh over on the uh website angelespino.com you can read along with me by the way big upgrades on the website if you haven't seen it go there angelespino.com a whole bunch of news uh, articles on there posted now and uh it's only growing bigger and bigger by the day. So please check out the website again, AngelEspino.com. And of course, uh, check me out on Patreon.com forward slash Angel Espino. Now, uh, Marco Rubio, little Marco, remember him here from Florida? Uh, he's uh, gotten into it recently with uh, a twit, uh, twat, twit, Twitter. Twit, uh, one of these clowns on social media. Uh, he twigs a lot. He's a Twitter. The guy's name is Matthew uh, Chapman. Might as well uh, be Matthew the Bozo, uh, who uh, came out saying, and now, to give you a little history, this guy writes uh, for a website. Um, not going to really mention them, but you can check out the website on the, on the actual page com if you want to follow along again. Um, he said that uh, and he blasted Marco Rubio for cracking a COVID-19 joke on Twitter. And uh, the, the soy boy from Texas named Matthew Chapman. Uh, thinks that he knows uh, so much that he had to put his two cents on this. And uh, and he said that, uh, and I quote here, he, he said, and guys, this is funny. This is. I'm going to first get off with what Rubio said. And when you see the image, you're going to understand why this is funny. He said, I think I found a way to get some of the people who want to cancel football this year to change their minds. But we will have to uh, make a few equipment and uniform changes. Apparently, this new equipment makes COVID a non-issue. Now, when you look at the uh, image, you're looking at a bunch of Antifa members dressed in you know, black uh, gear, helmets on. They have uh, shields now. They're carrying shields, guys. This is like a civil war, right? Oh, this is the uprising of the stupid trying to fight... And the mayor's letting it happen because it's 2020 election year, So they're trying to do this uh, to, again, stir the emotions and stir the the lunacy. But on their helmets, these idiots who are supposed to be anti-fascist have the emblem of the Soviet Union. You know, the... uh, actual uh the the actual emblem i'm talking about like the old none russia today the old soviet union with the hook and the hammer right remember that well that emblem is literally on the helmets of uh, these antifa thugs now why is this funny uh because they're literally telling you they're communists they're socialists this is what they want they're communists trying to take over the country and matthew chapman who is a game designer science fiction author political activist and he's from Texas so he wears that the Texan hat but really what he is is a socialist communist loser and a fool okay so what he wrote which is absolutely hysterical He said that Republicans have repeatedly tried to blame COVID-19 outbreaks on civil rights protests to try to shift the blame from Trump's push to reopen businesses early. Even though studies have made clear the protests have negligible effect on the spread of the virus. Well, isn't it then just a coincidence? And let me explain. Isn't it just a coincidence, guys? Now, this is not the quote. The, the quote ended with the spread of the virus. This is not me, Angel, telling you. Isn't it a coincidence that the main spikes of the virus are in states that are heavily being rioted? New York City. California has several cities that are completely shitholes. And guess what? They're where the main spikes are, in main protests. San Francisco, one of them. Uh, Portland, right? In Oregon, we got Portland. Florida, my hometown. Georgia, where all the spikes are happening, all the protests are happening. But see, the narrative left is, they're peaceful protests. Folks, these have not been peaceful protests. Unless you're Stevie Wonder or or somebody who has never been able to see in their life, you would you know, have at least some kind of clear vision to be able to see what's happening. Not one of these uh, protests by Antifa or by Black Lives Matter have turned into anything peaceful. In fact, in Seattle's chop zone, that would have continued and spread further until it started reaching home for Jenny Durkins. That's when it became a problem, right? When they showed up at the doorstep and they're like, "Yep, yeah, time to get out. We're gonna uh, screw with you next." Until it's in literally in the doorstep of the same people endorsing these people, they don't care. Chicago, Illinois, you have uh, Lori Lightfoot, aka Beetlejuice herself. You think she gives a crap about what happens in Chicago or uh, in Illinois? She doesn't care. These folks are all about defunding the police, destroying the structure of the inner city because they want to scare people into voting their way and not for Trump, which might be the way they're going to vote. It's all about swaying the election one way. Destroying the infrastructure, making the spread of the virus get worse and worse and worse. And then saying, oh, it wasn't us. It was the people going to church. They're spreading the virus. Those evil church doers and their belief in God. How dare you put God over science, over emotions? How dare you? Only problem is that, uh, guess what? These same imbeciles who are rioting and protesting, are later going home, right? Some of them don't stay at the chap zone, they, they actually go to their house and they spread the virus to their family members. And the family members, when they go out, they spread the virus to other people in the streets. So, literally, what these morons are doing, they're spreading the virus. But Matthew Chapman is not going to say that. He's going to talk about a joke done by Marco Rubio and try to tarnish Marco Rubio. Because he's saying some real shit. And he's telling you, look at these uh, clowns at Antifa. Look how they're dressed. They're literally dressed like communists. Now, I wasn't alive in the 40s and 50s and 60s, but I remember watching uh, several documentaries of that time and era where even in Hollywood, if you were associated with communism, you would be exiled. Because we're a country built on a republic. We're a country built on capitalism. We're a country built on freedoms. Yeah, we have some socialist programs, Medicaid, Medicare, whatever, but it's done under a capitalist society. We don't have a global socialism. Global socialism does not work. Never has, never will. Communism does not work. Never has, never will. All that leads to is more fighting, more... People at war with each other. The Middle East has been at war with each other for hundreds of years because their ideologies all screwed up. Because they can't get with one program, they have everybody shooting at them from different angles. So they're they're constantly fighting with each other. And a lot of those people have come to our country to try to turn this into what they left. Which uh, that boggles my mind. Why would you leave a shithole like say Somalia, right? Iran Omar. Come to America, and then try to turn this country into the shithole you just left. Why would you do that? Why not come here and make this land better? Why try to tear it down and make it the place you, you left, who you couldn't wait to get out of because it was so bad? If it's so, if you hated here so much, why don't you go back to Somalia? Fix your country. Fix it. By all means. Nobody wants you here anyway. Now, of course, Trump said that, and he was called a racist. Because that's the narrative now. You can never, ever talk negative on anything that a woman of color says because you immediately are racist, sexist, and a xenophobe. That's the narrative. So, When Biden picks Kamala Harris, that's the thought behind it. She's a woman of color, and she's a woman. Notice she's trashed Trump repeatedly. Right? The moment Trump said anything or Mike Pence said anything, they were like, how dare they talk about her? See, they're sexist pigs attacking a woman. But this chick has had months trashing the president. He makes a tweet about her. All of a sudden, he's a racist, sexist pig. So, in other words, they're laying the foundation for it's okay for the woman to talk shit uh, about men or about the president. But you can't defend yourself. You're now a slave to that woman. She controls the narrative. And if Biden is elected, Kamala Harris will control the country. And she would do it with the puppeteers behind her, behind the scenes, really running the show. In other words, folks, you will be nominating puppeteers, not her, not him, because he can't make a coherent sentence to, uh, to even save his life, and she is a yeah, I'll do whatever you want me to kind of candidate. She caters to everybody. Why? Because she is, like Hillary, sold out to the extremists. She sold out a long time ago, folks, a very long time ago. And she was so bad during the Democratic uh, nomination that, Well, what was she, uh, like one of the, uh, I guess, I, I don't think she was one of the first that dropped out, but she dropped out pretty much uh, late into it already when she figured out, yeah, there's no way I'm going to get any of the uh, votes to uh, be the nominee, and that uh, she decided to, to leave and uh, drop out. So a person who couldn't win the nomination was uh, not receiving more than, what, 2 or 3% of the vote back then, even with African Americans and black people in general of all Nationalities, Because black people are from Jamaica. They are from Haiti. They are from other parts of the world. Not just Africa. They even got black Mexicans. Go figure, right? I think in Russia might be the only place that doesn't have black people. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, but black people come from everywhere. And she polled horribly with black folks. So much so that she didn't even have the support of Democrats or the black folks. They're voting for the nominee. And she said about Joe Biden that she believes the women who accused him of sexual... Let's say he was improperly abusing women. So I don't get sued. But the charges or allegations against them are that he... Stuck his two fingers inside a woman's vajayjay, and to me, that's kind of like rape, right? So, when you say you believe a woman who says that and forcibly penetrated a woman against her will, and then mocked her and joked about it, and has lied about it, and you say you believe that woman. And now you're that guy's VP? What does that make you? I mean, where where do you stand politically if that's the uh, the person you're going to vote for? Are you okay with knowing that this uh, president has a VP who endorses rape and is, you know, endorsing a rapist as the president? Not only that, uh, we have also... Kamala Harris, or Kamala, or however the hell you're supposed to pronounce her uh, name. We have her uh, locking in uh, how many people during the uh, 90s and uh, 2000s there when she was a prosecutor? How many black men did she lock up? A lot. It's almost like she went after them. And she used uh, the crime bill, I'm else, set up by uh, Sleepy Joe in 1993 and, and, and signed into law. By Bill Clinton in '94, where they called black teenagers super predators. That's on YouTube. You can look. You can hear Joe Biden say it himself. Just do your own homework. You don't have to take my word for it. Go on YouTube. He called black teenagers super predators. He, he was talking about they want to beat my mother with a baseball bat and beat my brother and beat. Joe Biden is a lunatic. But he has been involved with a lot of the crime bills from the '70s to you know when he was vice president, which targeted African-American youths. So we ain't talking about making him the president. You're talking about a guy who, not only that, he eulogized a member of the Ku Klux Klan. He was friends with many KKK members. He literally said that President Obama was the first black man who spoke well. Really, Joe? So no other black man in American history, in the hundreds of years this country's been around, no black man speaks well. Other than Obama, who ironically enough is half white. And actually he's more white because his mom was white and his grandparents were white. And he was raised by his white grandparents. While he did spend time in Africa with his uh, black dad and was uh, indoctrinated by the uh, Muslim Brotherhood, Who are part of this whole shenanigans. And are behind a lot of the Black Lives Matter organization. And Antifa organization. That's right. That's who is behind this entire thing. The clip I played earlier. The clip I played last week on the show. Those are from people in the Muslim community. They are backed by the Black Brother Muslims. The the Muslim Brotherhood that Obama was in. Same individuals who are trying to destroy this country. You heard it from their own words. Their job, their agenda is to overtake this government and destroy this government and replace it. Now, if you're okay with that, and you want Sharia law, you want all this nonsense, by all means, vote blue. But if you're a person who may be a Latino, maybe may be a gay or a part of the alphabet community, be careful. Careful what you vote for. Because in those Middle East countries, guess what? You get your heads cut off. They don't like you. They're using you. Because you're, you're emotional. And you, get, you go and you vote for the left because you think the right hates you. That's the truth. But the truth is, they hate you even more. They cut your head off. So far in this country, not many beheadings of the alphabet community last thing i saw they're pretty well accepted i mean they run hollywood for the most part what 80 90 percent of hollywood is gay or lesbian or somewhere in between the elemental p people you know uh so let's be realistic here guys you're literally guys girls and You know, fluid individuals. Look, if you want to be a number two pencil, be a number two pencil. Whatever you want to label yourself as, be that. That's fine. I have no issues with anybody's orientation, wish to be whatever they they want to be. But just be careful what you wish for. Because you might get it and it might not be as sunny and rose as you expect on the other side. There's, uh, you know, mounting and mounting and mounting evidence that they don't like the alphabet community they don't like white people they don't like individuals who think differently from them and you want to see some of the mounting uh, evidence go read the holy quran it says right in there their job is to destroy the infidels who don't follow Allah or the quran that's it it's not to assimilate and be peaceful is to destroy and make you believe what they believe. And if you don't, you're gone. So in the days of cross dressing, if you're decided you want to be transgender are gonna be over for you unless you want to lose your head. But if you wanna keep your head and you don't want to get killed, I suggest you vote red. Because Donald Trump ain't trying to kill nobody. All he did was he said, "Yeah, You know what, I don't think uh, you should be able to have taxpayers pay for your sex change if you uh, decide to have one after you did your time in the Army. We'll give you your pension. You're still a soldier. We love what you did for the the country. But to actually say, Yeah, I want to cut my penis off and I want a taxpayer to pay for it. That to me, uh, you know, I want to attach a penis to my body. And I want you to pay for it. That's just outrageous, and it should not happen in any country. That's a cosmetic change to make your insides feel better. That's not a life-or-death situation. Having your legs blown off at war, that's a situation you need help for. You know, post-traumatic stress syndrome, that's a situation you need help for. Money should be thrown on veterans to help them. Where they actually have a problem, not to change the uh, the the working utensils of the person because they they're emotionally detached to their private areas, and they wish they were born different. You know, if you want to be different, by all means, be different, but pay for it yourself. I don't want to sit home and and uh, look and do my taxes and be like, yeah, you know what I really enjoy about my taxes this year is the amount of transsexuals who have uh, changed genders thanks to my uh, my donations, my tax deductibles, my money. You know, again, I don't care what you do with your life. Do whatever you want. I support the. Uh, Alphabet community, 100%. I'm all for gay marriages. I have no issues with them uh, joining the military. Have no issues with them living their lives. I have friends that are gay, friends that are lesbians. Uh, Hell, I even know a couple of transgender folks. No issues whatsoever. But the point is, care for what you wish for. Because you might just get it and it might not be as rosy on the other side. And I keep hammering that because it is just mind-boggling. The stupidity that comes from these folks. And the cancer culture continues and continues and continues. And uh, Matthew Chapman, you're the jackass of the week. For making, uh, you know, really an important uh, statement set in a sarcastic way by Marco Rubio into an attack on Marco Rubio when he is pointing out the emblems of communism on the Antifa helmets again guys I'm not making this up go to my website angelespino.com it's posted right on there including the page where the guy does his most harm and uh, I, I can't stress it enough. Now, another nugget of lovely joy dropped this week. And I, I have ten minutes before I go on break here, by the way. Now, this comes, of course, uh, we uh, we all know that the FBI is in hot water when it comes to a lot of uh, the stuff that's happening. And uh, the hot water and the mess is uh, done by their own uh, stupidity, once again. And uh, the stupidity goes like this. They faked the Russian hoax to get Trump. And now the shoe's dropping. FBI lawyer Kevin Kleinsmith, or Kleinsmith, Klu Klux Smith, he looks like a member, uh, actually is pleaded guilty. So there you go, a leftist. And by the way, he was part of the Mueller group, right? And he, uh, well, the veil is dropping. The 2016 hoax keeps dropping uh, more nuggets of lovely joy as now former lawyer, FBI lawyer, Kevin Clinsmith, is expected to go to prison for pleading guilty after admitting that he doctored a document used in the application process authorizing surveillance against form a candidate back then named Donald Trump. And uh, the Trump campaign aid, part of the first criminal case brought to the U.S. Attorney uh, Jern Durham, uh, who is overlooking the case, said his investigation examining the origins of the uh, Russian probe signaled out Kevin's involvement. The Department of Justice Inpe- Inspector General uh, Michael Horowitz had previously outlined Clansmith's conduct in, in his report released last year examining the Russian investigation and referred Clansmith to the DOJ for prosecution after finding he had altered an email from the CIA that was used by the government in the final FISA Renewal application authorizing surveillance of former Trump aide Carter Page. According to criminal investigations, finally made public on Friday, just a few days ago, Clientsmith pleaded to with one felony charge making false statements. and other he lied. And he doctored evidence to go after Trump. He will be pleading. Or already has pleaded guilty claim as attorney Justin uh, Schur, uh... told ABC and that's S H U R Justin assured told ABC news as reliable as they are in a statement Friday that he said Kevin deeply regrets having altered the e- the email it had never uh, was his intent to mislead the courts and his uh, or his colleagues as he believed the information he relayed was accurate But Kevin understands that what he did was wrong and accepts responsibility. There you go, folks. He never checked to see if anything was real. In other words, he said, yeah, we need you to sign this. We're going to go after Trump. Okay. What do I sign? The news of clients, but, uh plea was the first reported by the New York Times. The first FISA application targeting page was uh, first approved in October of 2016. Signed by then-Deputy former uh, Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates. Remember these names, guys. The first renewal came in January of 2017 under Yates and her signature. Uh, the second came April 2017 by uh, Acting Attorney General Dan Boynette. The third and final renewal application was filed under the signature of Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein in June of 2017. All these folks lied because, remember, the whole Russian gate was a lie. um uh, alteration only impacted the final renewal of the application in June 2017 and was uh, not relevant in the earlier FISA warrants that Howard's uh, reports uh, last December uh, outlined numerous errors and omissions by the FBI agents who handled the application for Page and the DOJ subsequently declared the final two applications were including one implicating Smith, while declining to take a position on the first two applications. In other words, yeah folks, He might be doing some time. Now, Barr's uh, announcement came just hours after President Trump's uh, uh, singled uh, that he's impatient about the lack of action taken by the Justice Department against the political opponents. But according to Trump, said, we're not going to do anything inappropriate before the election, but we're not being dictated by this uh, schedule. What's dictating the timing uh, of this uh, are developments in the case. Barr said, and I quote here, he said, and there will be developments tomorrow, there will be uh, developments in the case, and this is one of the developments, he also said, you know, it's not an earth-shattering development, but it's an indication that things are moving along at the proper pace, as dictated by the facts in the investigation. Folks, this is the first shooter drop, with many more to come. The veil is dropping, the people are going to start to get charged, and uh, I'm going to go on break here and bring my guest, and we're going to talk about uh, maybe uh, some of the stuff that's happening with the world today, how this impacts space, maybe our trip to Mars, but I definitely want to talk about his documentaries, The Solar Revolution and Packing for Mars. and. Of course, the TV show Timeless that he's a part of, and anything in the future that he has uh, that he's going to bring out—it's going to be a fascinating hour with Frank Jacob. I am uh, just excited to have him on, and I look forward to uh, you know uh, having a great time here with him in the next hour. So, guys, stick around. We're going to be back here on Inside the Jackal's Head within a few minutes with our guest Frank Jacob, and uh, I'm going to leave you with a very interesting bumper song. It's called Quarantine. Homes. And it's a Bone thugs in harmony Kind of a friendly fan remix. Home, 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 home,
0: home, home. Tell me what you gonna do you can't go play outside. Boredom comes for you, cause it's gonna come for you. what you gonna do you can't go run outside. Boredom comes for you, cause it's gonna come for you. Cause of the virus, people buying up. A- then hit Target, but they like they don't got it Went through five bags of Lay That was just one day Had Three juices and a Pepsi And some Krispy Kreme. Been in for a week, Omg, I'm smelling feet. These kids drive me crazy I'm about to go out and steal. God bless you, quarantine with the parents And they asking silly questions like whose kids at these? Boy, I hope you took a DNA Did you met that girl off that back page? I told her it was Instagram, but whatever, mom You, you Poodle blew off Disney Plus? Ooh, nothing to do. Kids out of school. When they go back, they gon' be dumber than they was. Waiting on checks from Donald Trump. Pay up. Warranting, 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 warranting. Every day, every day, every day, every day. Warranting, 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 warranting. Every day. See you at the strip club. Everybody, and I really miss everybody that's home. And I really miss everybody, and I really miss everybody, and I really miss everybody that's home. And I really miss everybody, and I really miss everybody, and I really miss everybody that's home. And I really miss everybody.
2: All right, everybody, welcome back to the uh, big show here inside the Jackal's Head live on PSN-Radio.com. And, of course, as always, SoFloRadio.com. Big shout-outs to uh, Soflow and the Global Enlightenment Radio Network, who runs the stream also for us every week here. Uh, Big shout-outs to Odin and everybody making it happen over there. But with that said, I want to bring on board the guest of the next hour, the one and only Mr. Frank Jacob, who is uh, a fascinating individual, a tremendously talented uh, documentary director. And I have a feeling his future might uh, bring more than just documentaries because I've seen some of his work and it's exceptionally well put together. And I want to thank you for being here with me uh, right now, Frank. It's a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Uh, You know, I look back at some of the stuff uh, that you've done over the years and you've been uh, around for a good number of years, you know, making a really interesting you know, stuff happen and work, uh, which a lot of folks uh, that are into with well, the stuff that I'm into, like space, for example, have uh, might have uh, looked at it and said, wow, this is interesting. And uh, with a very uh, peculiar uh, perspective, uh, I know that, uh, you know, some of the, uh, the stuff you've done uh, has been documentary style, obviously. Uh, but what kind of uh, got you started in wanting to produce this
1: kind of uh, uh, medium? going forward and starting off? Well, if you're talking about the documentary, feature documentary Medium, uh, it, it was a series of stages that led up to it. Mm-hmm. O- originally, I was um, into music and I started to, um, in my career, actually, my professional career in the arts was as a musician. So I, but I had this, uh, you know, I mean, I, when I was in, when I was still in school, I I took a film course and I did, I made my first ever film and it was actually quite successful. I I got a, I think I, you know, really caught the bug for making films then, especially since our, um, our teacher, you know, gave us the pleasure of sitting, I think for a month or two. And just watching films for the course. And I got to sort of study filmmaking in that sense. So I had this inkling that I would one day return to that medium. But at the beginning, I felt music was sort of my muse. And I um, I, I created original music. I learned about studio recording. I went on the road with a band. Uh, I toured around in Canada for a while. And eventually, I came full circle back into um, producing or making videos at about the time when, you know, music turned into a digital thing and suddenly musicians had access to tools they never had before. It wasn't so expensive to make music, to record music, to make demos. And kind of the same thing happened when when video became digital and you could afford your first, you know, basic video camera. And, you you know, you basically started experimenting. So for me, that was the return to it. And I began to make films again and add the musical background into it. Um, and one day I was sort of experimenting with, um, live visuals as well. And I came up with this concept of what I called live cinema, which is Mm -hmm. where I kind of combined the idea of not just the the visuals that you became used to seeing on club walls that when you walked into a club and there was cool, like moving wallpaper as people call it, but I (laughs) thought it would be, it would be cool to take that idea of the moving wallpaper and add a narrative to it. So for a few years, I began to film things and try them out. And, um, it, it actually was really quite amazing, but it was a, it was a completely, uh, it was, it was stressful because the equipment, you know, was constantly like you're, you're, you were riding really on a razor's edge as you were performing. Cause your, your laptop could crash at any second, the wall right. would go blank. So, so, you know, that was something I did for a while, but eventually, it led me back into meeting some people that brought me into, that were working at the Red Bull Media House. And I, I got pulled into the Red Bull Media House editing uh, sports um, shorts, eventually sports documentaries. Eventually I produced a show called The Ultimate Rush, which was half an hour extreme sports documentary shows. Um, and I I just, you know, again, fell in love with the idea of documentary filmmaking in terms of, the reality of things being far more crazy than um, than fiction, <laughs> because yeah. especially in the case of sports. So, but but something was was unfulfilling in making films just um, that were short, and I wanted to make something longer, and I began looking for a subject matter, and ultimately it led to me starting on the road down to what eventually became the film Packing for Mars. Mm. so
2: that's that was the first interaction i I was like oh this is good stuff like who directed and wrote this and then i saw your name and i was like okay what else has he done
1: (laughs) (laughs) cool cool well the the idea was the idea with a film like packing for mars was to i mean it always been kind of a, a a a UFO believer, if you want to call it that, or somebody who believed that there was more to reality going on. I'd read some pretty crazy books on um, uh, alternate reality perspectives like yeah. Jane Roberts, for example. Uh, she was doing something back, and she was one of the first sort of authors to explore something called channeling, where she would go out of body and bring in this entity called Seth. Seth would be talking about The Matrix, in in essence, you know, which we all have learned to understand in that terminology these days, which was that consciousness doesn't reside in the three-dimensional realm, but actually outside of space-time and just Mm -hmm. uses the uh, three-dimensional space to, to express itself and uh and and so that you know that led into all these subject matters and and i knew that doing sports films was not going to cut it so i wanted to dive into that area and i didn't really know where to go but i began to go back into some of my past experiences and one of them was the the book um, uh, alternative three which was triggered by a, a, a radio record a radio show that i'd heard where i heard somebody discussing having teleported to mars and that brought that whole concept back into my world and i thought okay now this this could be a crazy film subject matter not something usual. you know if you're going to go to the pain of making a movie and it's pretty grueling to do something of of a good quality then that seemed like a subject well worth exploring
2: you know it's funny uh the you know the fact that this is what focused you on mars uh, the The mental aspect as well as the physical aspect, I recently saw a film which was uh, called beyond the sky i don 't know if you 're familiar with this movie it 's uh, about a uh, person who was doing a documentary kind of like yourself was and he goes to the to the roswell uh, you know, main part of uh, where all the people go together uh, with a little alien in, you know, he goes down there to a convention and he, and he uh, meets up with a girl and he's trying to do a documentary on the encounters at Roswell and he has his own alien experience and in part of the movie, while it, it reminded me of your work, uh, it was because part of his experience was a mental experience, meaning he was frozen in time, but mentally he was teleported Somewhere, and he had a a more astrological or out of body experience, uh, where it was almost like if they physically pulled his soul out of his body, manifested it where they wanted him to be. And a lot of the people that talk about going to Mars are talking about teleportation. They're talking about if to, you know physically still being here, but remote viewing to Mars. There's a lot of that that's involved also. A lot of the uh, alien abduction deals with people having uh, memories that are possibly uh, experiences that they're having out of body with entities. And as I've reported over the years on this very show and other shows I've done in ufology, this is a theme that keeps coming up over and over again. So when I see it explode in documentaries, I'm like, you know, this is uh, important information, uh, which to me is more important than somebody saying, yeah, look at all my UFO pictures. They could be done on Photoshop. You know, because these are real people having real experiences, and that's what I think is fascinating about documentaries like the one you made.
1: Yeah, thank you. Well, I, I think that, that subject matter uh, was, and one of the things I wanted to say that triggered me to make the film was that I'd noticed um, at the time that a lot of this kind of material isn't really covered uh yep. Very. It's not, and it's not covered well in terms of pictures and sound. It's mm-hmm. there was a lot of YouTube stuff, of course, when YouTube came up. It, it gave people the opportunity to put some of this stuff out there, but a lot of it was, you know, badly produced, and it didn't give you the the feeling that um, that there was anything to it. Because people have an association when the pictures and sound is bad, that it can't really be true or real, because yeah. no <laughs> one's taking it seriously. Nobody's putting right. any money into it. You know, we've all been trained by the mainstream. You know, to believe in the uh, the state of the art as being, you know, that's where we're at, the cutting edge. But none of this material is really being discussed and, and presented in this way. And for me, that was the that was the key. I wanted to make a film that that you know utilized all of the skill set that I'd I'd gathered over the years from audio production, sound production, music production into picture production. At so so putting this material and doing it justice and giving the protagonists the respect of a decent canvas, a decent quality, you know, a, de- a decent um, platform to express it. And and you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the subject matter of remote viewing and of teleportation, it just sounds far out for most people. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that in a very few years, we're going to start to break down into some new territory. We're going to break break down some borders and enter in some new territory. Alone, the idea of remote viewing and of leaving your body, I mean, it's, you know, you can look at that in a lot of different ways because teleportation in the physical sense, you begin to ask yourself, you know, what is physical anymore, really? I mean, we produced a show for Gaia um we did 26 shows on the subject of this kind of material like near death experiences mm-hmm. paranormal experiences psychokinetic abilities um all of this stuff all of this stuff made it clear that there's a whole group of people out there researchers out there experiences out there who are who are crossing into this new territory there's even somebody right now a research group developing something called the soul phone which sounds far out, they're actually you know, 99% certain that they've made contact with um, yeah, personalities that have crossed the death barrier, the mm. physical barrier, into the other dimension and have retained their consciousness and are interested and eager to express that back into our dimension so that they're developing this thing called a soul phone. And it sounds wild, but we had um, Hans Otto Koenig on our show on Timeless, it was what it was called, and right. he was showing recordings that he had done using technology he developed, which ultimately turned into television, audiovisual expressions and communications back and forth. Uh, and it was undeniable that it was real and that was going on. And that was something from some dimension communicating. So when people talk about remote viewing and teleportation, a lot of the terminology crosses over into the same terrain. Right. You know, it. it's uh, ironic uh, that, you know, this is a subject matter we're talking about because
2: I myself was a skeptic on the uh, the whole idea for many years until I had a, a situation happen to me in 2016 where it opened my eyes to the possibility of the soul being real, uh, the, the afterlife uh, being more real than I ever thought could be possible. Uh, I lost my mother in 2016 to cancer, and my father and myself were in the hospital room with her until she took her final breath. Um, I was arguing with the nurse who had given my mother bad medicine the night before and caused her to slip away uh, probably earlier than she would have died. Uh, my father was holding her hand as I'm arguing with the nurse. My mother passes away. My father, not a very religious person, uh, not a person who uh, was ever an advocate to go to church every Sunday or anything of that nature. He, you know, he's your typical guy, loves sports. Rather watch uh, baseball or football on Sunday, than go to church. You know that type of uh, individual. Very, uh, even though he's Cuban, very American in that sense. And uh, ironically enough, he was standing next to my mother, and he literally told me that he saw her soul leave her body. And the 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 physical aspect of her body, the moment the soul left, he said her body completely changed, and and it was immediate. Um, the soul looked back at him, or whatever the apparition was that he was visually seeing, looked back at him, and then just floated away and disappeared. And he says he saw this uh, person leave my mother's uh, body uh, starting, like if they were sitting up from the table. Uh, wow. Yeah, and it was uh, like a misty uh, apparition. Now, I didn't personally see that again. I was arguing with the nurse. Uh, but my father, not a very religious guy, not a uh, Bible thumper, he swears uh, by his life. That's what he saw. I have no reason to doubt him whatsoever. I do know that the moment that my mother stopped breathing, I felt a cold spot in the very area where I was standing, which is right next to her feet. And mm-hmm. I felt this incredible cold rush would go right through me. The nurse even felt it. And the moment that I looked back because I felt the cold rush, I looked at my mother's face and I noticed that it had changed. And I said, oh, my God, she's not breathing and that's when we my father looked at me and said she's gone like she is i i physically saw her leave the body and that moment changed my entire perspective on the afterlife um if it wasn't for probably that honestly because my mother was my best friend and losing her you know i i was near suicidal for a bit if it wasn't for that uh talk by my father and him telling me that immediately I probably would have been worse off emotionally. But he looked at me with his face like he was stone white, by the way, Frank. I mean, this uh, shocked him to the core. And uh, he said, this is what I saw. Um, I was always a skeptic. I am not anymore. And and son, you should not be. I'm telling you what what just happened. And I said, the moment you saw what you said you saw, I felt a cold spot rush right through the room. Well, yeah. it's totally
1: totally legit, and it's totally yep. real because I can tell you, you know, Angel, that there's been i we've you know discussed this for with many, many people. Like I think we had over seventy five guests on the show ultimately twenty six hours, and they're always talking wow. about similar experiences. And uh, you know, when you're when you're directing and producing a show like that, you're just listening, you're sitting there listening to this, and you're going, I can't believe what I'm hearing. Yeah, but it's clear that it isn't just isolated cases. These people were the tip of the iceberg. They were referencing a body of work that goes back for, for decades uh, that really just um, makes it very, very clear that life does not end in, inside of, we're not, we don't live inside, only inside of these physical vessels, that life is, is much richer and, and much more, um, yeah. Um, diverse, exp- ex- yeah, or expansive. Then, yeah. then we, you know, we we condense. You could almost say we condense our reality down into these bodies, uh, yeah. and to have a limited perspective, we deliberately limit our perspective, our perspective, in order to experience just that set of of qualities or that set of experiences which are possible within the physical dimension. Um, and it meant many of the people that have that have returned from near death experiences report on on the kind of ex, the kind of um yeah multidimensional realm timelessness travel is instantaneous um and, and the people that are, are you know the, the people that are developing this soul phone are are reporting that the the entities on the other side are are you know they're like some of them are scientists maybe it's Tesla right. for example imagine if you could pick up a phone and you could dial up call your Tesla. mom you know or call <laughs> Tesla right and they're they're yeah. focusing on people like Tesla um, and and the geniuses and the artists, because I guess these you know these people may give. First of all, they're they're well known to a large amount of people on the planet, and secondly, the scientists are interested in perhaps contributing to the um next step of human evolution because we've been in this sort of on this track of if you look at human evolution and you look at um the you know the the first uh, forms of uh of print you know when when they, they say the bible was the first uh printed document interesting of course but uh you know just the fact that there was printed paper at that time and people began reading and writing and exchanging information that's that's been a couple hundred years not really that long um, yeah. But long enough to make you think that, hey, you know, that things should have evolved a lot quicker, but they really haven't. We are really not any more complex now than we were. If you look at Mozart's letters back to his father and his sister, and, you know, back in the 1700s, 1700s. Yeah. You you just you 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 see a remarkable intellectual capacity that you could almost say in this day and age has disintegrated. You know, if we're down to tweets of less than two hundred characters. I mean, what's the the kind of the kind of um, descriptive passages that Mozart was giving in his letters two three hundred years ago, two hundred fifty years ago? Was, was, was very and the music, the classic. He would yeah. create classical music in his head while he was in a stagecoach on the way between Vienna and and, and Salzburg. You know, and you at the end he'd have a finished orchestra. Uh, orchestra uh, symphony, I mean, that shows you that we really haven't evolved, in fact, we may have even devolved on certain levels, um, intellectually since then. So we're looking at if humanity wants to evolve, and move, we're expecting the next evolutionary leap, it has to be something on that level, it has to be some, some crossing of a barrier, uh, where, uh, you know, the things like um, communication with other dimensions, leads to us accepting the technology which you know as we learned when we made packing for mars seems to have existed now for almost i guess close to 100 years yeah things yeah. like teleportation yeah. things like um you know telepathic communication uh these are, are remote feeling these are the norm and the technology that uh, certain beings seem to be uh, accessing which we witness in terms of there's the little flying saucers that we see flying around and making their their appearances the big the big pink elephant in the room, if you will, you know mm-hmm. that never comes into the discussion you know I've been to privy to many discussions where people are talking about uh, paranormal th- or even politics you know how could any politician in our day seriously be uh be taken seriously who isn't addressing the full spectrum of physical um experience and that includes yeah that you know anomalous thing that's going on around us there are all over Look at the, the world
2: The at the right. pentagon with the ufo videos they now acknowledge i saw yes. them years ago i saw those videos a uh, half a decade ago well but they're now they're acknowledging them yeah now they're acknowledging them you know it's taking time but uh let me ask you a question do you think while well, technology is advancing a lot of uh, you know our life uh, when it comes to like things like doing documentaries are a lot easier now because of technology, uh, doing films you know doing technical stuff is a lot easier, but it is in a sense also uh, dumbing down the youth. Because when, like you were saying about Mozart and his stories and his letters, and how he would put almost a poetic letter together, even to write to his parents or his family or his friends, now it's a, a hundred and something characters on Twitter, and we, we we shrink words down to, like, letters. Like, instead of saying laughing out loud, we say LOL. I remember when we would laugh out loud and we would just put ha-ha. Now it's literally LOL means laughing out loud. So it's no longer little things. Now it's big words grouped together into like three letters. And it's a whole different language where people don't even understand how to like uh, properly, uh write words down or spell words or how to grammar, uh, use grammar properly because they're so dumbed down by the medium that is created, which is supposed to help us move forward technologically, but it does seem like it's having that dumbed-down effect on some people. It's incredible.
1: Well, I mean, I think it's... It's uh, sad to say but it seems yeah. to be it seems to be be a part of our evolutionary step that it's it's moving and it's like if the universe is expanding or you know if you don't want to go into the expanding universe notion just the idea that physical consciousness is expanding um or exploring new dimensions in all directions, you could say that on the one hand, uh, there's a group of people developing very, very high levels of consciousness, very, uh, very fine and um, and precise, and and um, yeah, very um, yeah. I guess just you know evolved levels of thinking. It, by the same token, there seems to be a push in the other direction as well. Perhaps it's that there's a group of people. That you know, we've all heard about these thirteen families, the bloodlines, whatever you want to call them, um, that have had access to the to these technologies before we've had access to them, mm-hmm. and are and have found that there's a way. It's irres- almost irresistible for them to succumb to the temptation to utilize this technology for their advantage. And part of the, Very I guess, part of, part of the realization of that advantage is to make sure that you know, because they I'm sure they they must know the full um meaning or the full expression of human consciousness would probably threaten or or impinge upon their ability to have power or control over the rest of us. Um, yeah. and so so they would do whatever they could to naturally block it any any way they could. So they can they can do this. We've now learned through using frequency. Using pictures, using all forms of technology that some of them that we don't even know about. That they're just being developed in secret. But every now and then, little patents leak out about the use of electromagnetic frequencies um, uh, on your screen, on your computers, on your music, and I mean even and, and then down to symbology, which is another very interesting topic. A lot of these videos that uh, are um, being explored by kids, you know, mostly our video are like the, the short form video of the music video, the rock music mm-hmm. video. So where you combine the hit song, which is a repetitive mantra in a way that keeps them that keeps people just locked into a very narrow perspective of focus, and often this the the subject matter of the lyrics is not exactly mind expansive. But it's all about oh, poor me, I'm the victim, or I'm in love, right. hopelessly in love or, love, or I'm trapped by love, or you've trapped me. All these. If you look at the, if you listen carefully to the it's words, it's part of that that victim there, mentality that they're preparing. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So you've got that, and then you combine that with symbology. Um, yeah. Of the, I mean, the the people that um, are, you know, that they're legendary people controlling the planet, the Illuminati and all these people, they have certain symbology and you're seeing that symbology blatantly appearing in the music business and all these, you know, you'll see it in a Beyonce or Lady Gaga or Jay-Z video. There's all this like, you know, the emblem, you know, they've yeah, got all these yeah. symbols and a lot of people think it's funny and there's, that people think that that's, you know, conspiracy is stupid. But you've got to ask yourself, you know, um, why are They're people? Doing it. Why are they doing it? Because it's like yeah. it's it's a prevalent theme. It's not exactly something that it's like you. Part of you would say that okay, if that theme is going on, what are some of the other themes? Well, there's not really a lot of other themes that are yeah. that are that are being explored with such a, in such an adamant way, in such a precise way. If you look at the. Uh, um, the, the work by The Vigilante Citizen, for example. I can only recommend people check out The vigilant Citizen, his website. He explores the su- subject of mind control using the sim- symbols and symbology in the music scene very, very well. And it, it, if you really are interested in the subject, then start exploring the symbols that are being used in pop culture. And yeah. you have to ask yourself, why is it that the people creating these videos seem to be such masters of, um, of this subject? It's not just a random, fluky thing that, you know, uh, J.G. saw this in a video and now he's doing it in his because it's cool. Everyone else is. No, these are precise messages. There's, you know, down to the down to um, the name of this
2: company, Rockefeller, Rockefeller.
1: <laughs> I mean, he's, right. the,
2: he's telling you right there where he's standing. Look, and I the- think
1: part part of the the method of uh, um, uh, of exploring the stuff of the uh, of these elitists is to demonstrate, is to show it to us too, to put it right in front of our faces. Because I think it's sort of a, an unspoken law, or maybe it's even a spoken law, that um, that that uh, these controlling forces in society they have to make it a fair playing field. And to do it, if, to make it a fair playing field, they have to put it in front of us and say, okay, here, people, we're manipulating you guys. This is what it looks like. Um, so speak up if you're not happy with it. And if you don't, you know, what that, reminds
2: speak up, me of? that reminds me of the red and the blue pill in the matrix when you put your hands out like that, because that's what it is.
1: Absolutely. It, that's, <laughs> that's what it is. It's like, <laughs> Hey, it's like in court, you know, um, if you don't speak up, uh, then you're consenting. So right. if you, you, know, you need to put up some resistance if you think that there's something wrong with this. And the problem is that we're not being educated about what's being presented to us We're only being shown the end product. And if you're not smart enough to understand symbology, sacred symbols, sacred geometry and occult symbology and um, ritual symbology, then you're, you know, and you're young and impressionable, like, you know, when you're young, 13 to 25 or 30 yeah. years old you're you're still not really wise to the world you're still most people especially in this part of the world i mean there's people that are one generation away from having been farmers kids and now they're living in the yeah. big city and they're just sort of, they're just exploring all things sensational all things bodily sensational but not necessarily higher consciousness sensational and there's no one teaching them these things out there. So, you know, that was one of the, another one of the reasons that that interested me in filmmaking is cuz I I tapped into some of that symbology. And it was very fascinating the like spear of destiny and things like that. Mm-hmm. People hear about this stuff, but they don't really understand it. So, there's a lot more work to be done in that area and we have a lot of catching up to do because the these um Forces that have, that have put forces. this out, Yeah, maybe they're entities, maybe they're archons. Yeah. I mean, no one really knows. I've heard all kinds of definitions. I think you have, you, you come across all the definitions if you explore the subject matter, but I, I'm I refrain from saying I have the answer to the, this is the one group that's doing it. Yeah, it is, but then you find this other group and then you find this other level and you <laughs> realize, okay, come on.
2: Let's yeah, not be too really. sure ourselves here.
1: <laughs> what we can be sure about is that there is something going on. There is definitely a use of symbology and there's definitely a dumbing yeah. down, as you mentioned, in society for a deliberate purpose. There's even, you know, you notice when you're in a bit dangerous situation, what happens? Your adrenaline kicks in, you know, yep. so you you have a, you have get pushed automatically into a heightened physical and sensory perception modus. And, um, and if it's fear-based, then you know it's it, it creates um, you, you shoot energy from your body, and what we know from having done a show like Timeless, where we learn from people that have had out of body experiences, is that we're not limited to just the sleeves in our physical world. We we actually shoot from us energy, and now imagine yeah. if there's some group out there which has figured out that which 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 gets off on that, you know, that gets like off on that energy and co- even collects it. Right. Yeah. And and deliberately has learned that, hey, well, we can take the most vulnerable group, these young kids. We can put this um symbology. You know, what's one of the most popular forms of cinema these days? Right. Horror. Ever noticed right. horror yeah. films everywhere. Right. Everything's horror. If you go to Netflix, movies, yeah. They love it. <laughs> well, because it, it's it's it gets your adrenaline going and it shoots right. that if you knew what was coming out of your body Wes Craven
2: spoke about that. He said that the reason he got into directing horror movies is because it touched the inner core of the soul. And it, and it brought the emotion out of the person as, you know, different from a comedy or a drama. Horror really like makes you think about the, the worst aspect of what could happen to you. And it makes you reflect on it. And it brings the adrenaline rush out of you, which is exactly accurate. I mean, Wes Craven, rest in peace brilliant director and he knew exactly what he was talking about uh which is uh, why he created freddy krueger for example because it was based on a person that he saw as a kid that brought that fear out of him and yeah. reports of an actual rapist who was killing kids and he makes it too and said this is my biggest fear and I'm going to put it on film. And, again, that's why horror movies are so great. But I wanted to get into another point here about filmmaking. We've seen symbology not only in filmmaking through the years when it comes to aliens, but in teleporting. You had the movie The Fly that came out in the 80s, which was a remake of the earlier movie from the 60s, uh, The Fly. And that talked about teleporting. So these are concepts that are not completely, you know, strange from our consciousness. And I think film plays a big part of not only... Uh, You know, artists expressing their inner thought, but also some artists who might be told by certain individuals, put this in your movie or make a movie about this. And those people behind the scenes are kind of leading the narrative to indoctrinate and get us conditioned to this certain reality, like teleportation. Aliens from other planets being good and evil, and, uh, you know, all aspects of uh, what space might be like, uh, including other dimensions, which I saw, a, uh, you know, I think it was like 10 or 14 or something, some young kid on YouTube explained the higher dimensions, and I was like, this kid's brilliant, and, and talk about how society can be dumb in general. Uh, in many aspects, but every once in a while you get a, a kid who's a brilliant kid who explains other dimensions in such a way that you're like, wow, there is some hope for the future, right? And um, the way he explained it was that uh, you know, every dimension has a, a being on it, for example. We can't see dimensions under us, and they can't see dimensions on top of us, but we see our dimension, our third dimension. Now, say you're a fourth dimension being. It could very well be an energy being. And perhaps we're in a third dimension living a life that leads to the path to the next dimension where we call it heaven or hell. And that could just be our next evolution, evolutionary step forward into the next dimension or the next realm, which is just a, a ladder we keep climbing up and up and up until we get to uh, the perfect dimension or the perfection or or it's just something that's endless whatever it might be but i think there is definitely a support for that kind of a, of a thought
1: well we know for um in our from our interviews with uh the protagonists in our films i think most particularly packing for mars mm-hmm. uh, we were talking with professor jj hurtock about a lot of these you know you branch off into some of these subject matters and he has been around for quite a while, and he's been privy to inside information, early days of the discoveries of the Jet Propulsion Lab. And not only that, but he was part of a group of researchers that had been tapped by this uh, military scientific branch Mm -hmm. that was used was doing exactly that he i think he pretty much told us exactly what you just said that they actually had a group of people authors um filmmakers and 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 people that were in media in the mainstream that they would routinely and regularly debrief Mm -hmm. with respect to this is the material that we'd like to see getting out there i mean literally was saying that so i was Jackie Gleeson,
2: uh, for years, was uh, thought of uh, as he's seen some alien stuff and what's told about uh, some of the stuff out there.
1: Well, you realize that the narrative. What people don't really understand is that the, the that there's a narrative going on in the media and the mainstream media. Most people watch the news and what's on uh, what's available on the channels. That they've it started off with a very narrow focus with radio, then it branched off into television with one or two channels. Now there's like thousands of channels. Mm-hmm there's youtube uh, there's all these medium of mediums of expression but one thing is clear that narrative is very tightly controlled by someone yeah. this is a fact yeah. i think i think that uh, Um, I think that um, Millie Weaver's new controversial documentary is the latest example that shows just how tightly that narrative is controlled within the political spectrum. Mm. Uh, She got herself into apparently a lot of trouble by putting that information out there, which is clear that there are, you know, out of the view of society... There are private. There's a private sector which is which is clandestine, which is a shadow form of of control, uh, which uses politics and politicians as their puppets to bring these messages and these ideas into the world that they yeah. want to steer. Um, and I think it's only a matter of time before that isn't really a conspiracy theory anymore, but just considered a conspiracy. And because conspiracies really are real, so the mm-hmm. fact that, that that this was going on, and and J.J. Hertog talk was talking about the '60s, and we was talking about with respect to what is what then came out in one of the, another one of the very popular forms of cinema is science fiction. Yeah, people like yeah. science. They like a narrative. This is, you know, it, it doesn't have to always be horror. Although there's a lot of horror in science fiction as well. But yep. there is. This is a this is the medium of choice for introducing the ideas of an extraterrestrial race that might be out, there, or races that might be mm-hmm. out there. That there's um galactic forces that are you know out there, uh, which we don't know about, which you know we could be victim to. Uh, that's a very popular, unfortunately, theme is that we are, you know, be attacked by an alien race. We're going to be taken over by an re- alien race. Anything is possible. An it's universe. all possible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, Hawkins was saying that it's only a matter of time. Exactly. I, uh, But he completely denied, you know, the, the, the reality of UFOs that have been going on since, you know, we at least know since the 50s, since the Roswell crash. And at the, you know, starting as early as the 20s and 30s, there's reports of UFO crashes, of, of reverse engineering the technology. So, I mean, Hawking's as brilliant as he he was, that was his elephant in the room. He just did not look at that. He would just say that there's aliens coming that could be dangerous. I think that's a very dangerous message to put out there, especially if you're respected in the world as he was. Uh, I think that if we would have been, um, you know, victims of this reality, it would have happened by now because there's enough evidence that the aliens have been out and about and around us. uh, And if they wanted to, they could have taken us out. So oh, I don't if, think if that you that's... believe
2: ancient alien theory, I mean, they've been around since the beginning. Uh, yeah. and, and it's funny, uh, not to make a joke because uh, he's, you know, no longer with us, but Hawkins didn't have a leg to stand on when it came to that theory. Uh, <laughs> but it, 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 would, it would be very ironic if we did one day have a giant UFO land on the White House lawn as... Everybody one day thought, oh, that's how it's going to happen. they going to because it has to be the White House line, right? And this giant UFO opens up, and a giant, like, 8-foot, 9-foot Native American walks out. And he's like, how? Now we're taking back the land. That would be very funny and amusing and very bad in, in a way. So I, I understand where Hawkins was coming from, uh, because, you know, the Natives uh, felt trapped to that uh, in this very country. And it could happen to us. But at the same time, it, it is very... Uh, ignorant to think that a a race of beings are going to travel from Off a centauri or another light year, two light years, a hundred light years away, with technology so exotic that for sure their race have become at some point peaceful to be able to come together and create this technology. But to travel the stars just to come to a little blue planet and destroy it, that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. At some point, you got to say, okay, these beings evolved from just landing on a new land and say, okay, we're taking over now.
1: Well, hey, look, not, I mean, not. the people that are telling that stuff were probably they were, they were kids at one point watching too many horror films, you know, and now they've right. grown up yeah. uh, and now they're presenting their inner fears, which were never worked out in the films that they watched because they never there was never a purpose other than to scare the hell out of them. So yeah. that's what that's the cellular memory that they're carrying around. And now they're executives and now they're studio executives or scientists and heads of think tanks and government officials. And they've been they've been impregnated and, and imbued and and programmed with this message, right So that's what's coming out. but that's and you know that seems to be the majority of the noise out there, but it isn't the only noise. and there's unfortunately, it's getting prevalence, but it isn't the only answer. There's a lot of evidence and a lot of stuff going on that points completely to the contrary. And um, the power of um, knowing that there is another dimension that your consciousness inhabits, that the physical body is not the end, that eliminates one of the most uh, um, elemental forms of control, and that's fear. Mm -hmm. If we are are in fear, most of us are, what does that mean? You know, fear of what? Most of it, for most of us, it means the fear of loss of life. We're afraid of losing our body. That means the end, because then it's over. Because we've never met anybody that's been to the other side and come back and said, "Hey, don't worry about it. It's just you know a temporary state." It's pleasant, yeah, right. And <laughs> and and so as long as we're not addressing that, people are living in fear, and so they're uh, they're exploring those ideas. It's only natural that it happens. But I just think yeah. what's going to start happening is that this is going to start breaking down. Imagine Hawking's now. He's on the other side, going, "Damn." That was, was so, so far wrong. off. what was so <laughs> off. Right? He's going to be one of these guys, and and the people developing the phone are going like, "Man, the people are eager to to come back and talk." I can understand why. You know, uh, yes. Hawking's just going, "Man, I got to fix that problem. I, I I really screwed up. I got to explain this, and I'm I want to explain it, and 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 uh, and they will, and that will be that will be a critical. Moment where that we will cross over into a new threshold and then it doesn't matter That's like a single match lighting up a dark room I mean it's gonna go poof and and that's gonna be the end of that fear-based consciousness There will no longer be power right now. It's happening with corona. You know, Mm -hmm. what is the problem here? Why are people wearing masks because they're afraid what are they afraid of? They're afraid of dying of getting the disease and dying 40 hours later, you know, um, Frank, here's the crazy part, and it's funny you jump into the corona aspect here
2: of this whole thing. I saw a report uh, where there are certain companies, this is going to make you laugh, where they have uh, all their staff members, you know, since they're on lockdown, uh, they can't have them in-house come in and work. They're having them do their uh, conferences and other things through Zoom, Skype, and other chat forms like this, and they're mandating that while they're at home, on Skype or on Zoom, that they wear a mask. How idiotic is that? You're oh no, I, I have
1: I have <laughs> personal experience with it. I was doing exactly that. I was creating a film, uh, a project for a film company uh, where um, there were two projects. One of them was was an interview uh, with with a director and three of the a director, a producer, and two of the um, uh, of the actors in the film being released in the UK. And when we did the interview, I was directing it in our room. We had the camera set up and the, the people that, that hired us to make this um, production, they, they, were, they got upset when we were sitting cl- too close together without masks on in the room that we were, from which we were doing our Zoom you know, directing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm like, oh, my God. And then the other project we were filming in a we had to, because there was no longer um, a trade show where, where people could get together and exchange ideas. Now they had to do it virtually. So, right. so the film company and we we created a way for them to in the form of a of a talk show. Which we staged completely. It was it was a complete spoof. But uh, here we were in the room filming, and all. I mean, we were like lots of time. When you're filming something, man, you're sitting shoulder to shoulder, looking into cameras, looking into yeah. you know the, the results. And, and there was, we had to keep that absolutely secret because if they found out that we were so close together, we, we would have problems, you know, we were political problems. And, uh, I mean, even to the point where people are getting fined, if they're close, too close together, it's just nuts. But this is going back to this whole concept of fear. And I've been, I've been, you know, I've been really deliberately exploring that frontier because I figured because i don't honestly subscribe to the virus theory okay i just you know when i was when i was doing my my first steps into paranormal experiences into ex- greater consciousness expansion of course you touch on the idea of germs and bacteria and viruses and 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 the whole virus theory is still a theory it's like the theory of evolution the theory of viruses they don't know there's what viruses are they have a theory about what they might be based on what the reaction is of the environment but they have never even seen one and you know right. you know we've we've got all these pictures of this this prickly thing floating around and just just to use for us to program us and it seems like to me what's going on with corona is like a giant mind control experiment where they're exploiting our fear of death to um to just to hypnotize us into uh, a certain form of submission and yeah. when, uh, because when i'm when I'm out there i've been exposed to people shoulder to shoulder without without wearing masks. And honestly, I deliberately inhale the environment because my body has been physically engineered over millions of years to take in the germs and viruses of the environment and to process that information organically. It's an amazing machine. It's not just an organic physical machine, it's also a psycho-spiritual machine that extends outside the the time-space continuum. Um, It's a whole unit. And so I'm just relying on that amazing technology which has been created for this dimension to process the virus information. And I gotta say, you know it's it's like I don't see it I don't feel it I don't I, I don't see this thing going on I don't even have any people in my circle of friends that know anybody that has it so I'm like is it just me in my world that i created one where the coronavirus doesn't exist or or am, am i being selfish but i don't know i'm exploring it i'm exploring the subject matter and it, it's kind of irritating that where it's high, the narrative's been hijacked by this fear thing and the wearing the masks and the, all the symbology associated with wearing masks as well yep. it's like you have a muzzle you know you're muzzled yeah. <laughs> from expression you're expressing yourself and then and then you, you you put you play upon the fear of those who are not ready to go beyond the physical and explore the idea of life beyond the physical realm and so they are holding you accountable for their potential potential death because you mm-hmm. are not following by the same rules that they need to follow it's an incredible social experiment going on right now oh, and definitely. no and, and there's no dialogue happening in the public there's only mm-hmm. there's only two uh, extremes there's the there's the side that says it's absolutely going on there's absolutely a virus it's absolutely this physical thing it'll come in and land on you like a mosquito attack you and kill you Mm. versus you know the virus theory uh, versus the people saying no there's no science to back that masks protect you that viruses can kill you Um, and they're just talking about the physical antidote to the fear antidote but nobody's talking about the fact that hey people we're not it's not just that or just this it's it's a more encompassing dialogue that's going on here it's encompassing the idea of control and fear in society and and nobody's talking i mean the fear of a virus is so great which means the fear of a death is so great that um, people are willing to tear down the complete structure of their society Ruin right. their economy, destroy their jobs, whatever it is that they're doing, that's just destroying everything because of this fear. Instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to embrace the fear, and if I'm one of the people, life is a risk. If I'm going to go out, I'm going right. to go out, you know, and then I'll just, re- I'll just change, you know, sleeves. Um, yeah. But, but, but when they don't do that. <clears throat> what we're seeing is a complete destruction of those things and maybe it's a good thing because maybe it's pushing us to the point where we're saying okay that's enough enough is enough and i guess we needed something push us really hard against the wall and really hard, you know fast against the wall for us to make that decision
2: well you know in a, the the whole uh, word fear brings me back to a very wise quote from a very small muppet uh one named yoda fear is the path to the dark side fear leads to anger Anger leads to hate. Hate always leads to suffering. That's the path of the Jedi. That's what the Jedi's, you know, are the way they are because they don't give in to fear. Starting off, that was the downfall of Anakin. He feared for his wife's death as he feared for his mother's death. He feared for the dying body. Not the soul, the body. And one of the, the aspects I always talk about when I talk to religious people, is they're scared of death. I'm like, why are you afraid? Of dying, you believe in heaven. You believe in God. You believe in the afterlife. Hell, this should be a a, a great passage towards the future for you. But you're gonna be exactly where you want to go. So what's the what's to be scared about? Uh, here I am sitting here. I have my father who's in quarantine. Uh, his girlfriend's in quarantine. My uncle. His daughter and his wife are all in quarantine for COVID-19 because they all tested positive. My father, one, got tested when his girlfriend got tested. This now they're going through this. Uh, he got tested. They said he was negative. Then he went home, got tested the next day again because he was feeling worse. And they told him, oh, yeah, no, you're positive. Just, just said he was negative when he was feeling bad. Now he's feeling worse. Goes back to tell him, okay, no, you actually a positive. So what's the, the exact uh, examination? What's going on? Why is there? Two different answers but he's quarantined thankfully he's doing well he's not uh I, he said i have no fever i have you know even his girlfriend who was pretty sick didn't get a fever she's getting over it i've had 13 people in my life since this whole thing came down that have tested positive frank and not one have died well and i've had three deaths this year that that have happened it's a little bit at the COVID
1: related. The when, uh, what's happened is that um, the entire health uh, discussion in our world has been become dominated and centers around covid nineteen. What about the normal flu anymore? I mean, when I two years ago, my mother's in an old age home, um, and she's, you know got dementia, and you know a lot of the people around her are you know on their last leg. And so, two years yes. ago there was a there was a flu wave, and over ten people in her facility died. Now that's more yeah. than half that's that's about half the people or a third or something like it's a it's a high percentage of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of vacancies became available in that in that old age home two years ago. and nobody talked about it. If they would have made a news report for every single person that died in that facility multiplied by all the people that died in that flu wave of twenty eighteen. Then it would have been considered a pandemic, you know, but yeah, by by yeah. by any standard. But now, what's happened is we we can't even have a normal flu. Most people that I worked with last year, they got they got sick two, three times over the winter, bad yeah. colds, you know, really bad. And I was around them, mm-hmm. and I got through it. And I, I think at one time I got a little bit of a sore throat. I'm generally, thankfully, a very healthy person, and my immune system is is pretty good. And I think a lot of it has to do with with nutrition and and keeping your your body you know tuned and another thing that isn't really being discussed in society of course it's all very simple take this pill or take this needle and you'll be fine no your body's not just a, a needle and pill recipient your body is actually something which you should tune like an instrument if you're going to play a guitar yeah. you want to put new strings on that guitar your guitar is right. going to sound like crap after a couple of months so you have yeah. to tune the guitar you have to tune your instrument just like you have to tune your body and that involves taking care of uh, of your body nutritionally because the way we 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 deal with viruses in our body and swimming which is swimming with trillions of them is that right. you know we have to maintain the edge uh, over our, our immune systems so that our immune systems always a little bit a step ahead of the negative stuff swimming around our body which is swimming around there all the time we're swimming through a sea of potential dangerous viruses and things in our environment all the time but we don't talk about that we just talk about like where this envelope that's sealed off and now some Mosquitoes punctured it with a virus, and we're going to die. I mean,
2: <laughs> it's, it's just it's just such it's, a it's simple,
1: stupid it. dialogue. It's just when people yeah. if people were to to really expand themselves a little, if this was being brought to us in the media or in the school system, it just isn't. So we've become reduced to this super simplified model, which does not. Even come close to expressing what reality and physical stuff is all about. And that's why people have a hard time believing it when we have someone in Packing for Mars talking about teleportation or the chronovisor. You know, the chronovisor was developed in the 1950s by a scientist who was part working, who was under the Vatican. Because Mm -hmm. they figured out a way to tune into resonant waves that were left behind in in the magnetosphere. Now Mm -hmm. science that has been proven by people like Michael Persinger, who we had in in, uh, Solar Revolution, that Mm -hmm. this stuff is stored out there and there's a way to tap this stuff in. Like there is a way to tune in your radio station, like the one you should be tuning into right now, you know, listening to our discussion, I think. Uh, But this this, is, you know... (laughs) And if this stuff is going, and, and we need to be uh, we need to be aware of that stuff, and we have people talking about that and talking from Mars, it's real. It's not just some crazy conspiracy theory. It only sounds that way because you've just been dumbed down, as we talked about earlier, or you've allowed yourself to be deliberately limited or focused upon a very narrow bandwidth of emotional and and uh, spiritual and scientific information instead of opening your eyes to other possibilities. One of the things that I think that I wish people that are uh, critical of conspiracy theorists or actually right extreme conspiracy theorists as now we've, we've been promoted to um, is I just wish they would um, accept that their perspective is limited and it's a deliberately limited focus and leave mm-hmm. the rest of us to explore the outer limits so that, you know, we can report back and when they're ready to dip their toe into their own expansion, that they can rest assured that there's a, Comfortable, warm body of us out there that have been waiting for them to make that leap.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we're short on time, but I did want to address this because you had on, uh, on the Packing for Mars uh, documentary. A very interesting uh, set of people in there, which I am very uh, aware of, and a very uh, close to one is Mr. Stephen Bassett, uh, who's been on my show probably more than anybody else, other than maybe Robert Morningstar. Uh, we've had him on both uh, a lot. Uh, Steve Bassett and I go back a decade plus. Where he's a good friend. I love the man. He's absolutely uh, 100% on point when it comes to the uh, stuff he's worked on over the years. And I even on air, I said, I hope one day you're proven 100% right. Uh, because, you know, the, the stuff and the, the fight that that man has put forward in ufology alone, he deserves a statue somewhere. He is uh, one of my heroes in ufology. Uh, but you had also Laura Eisenhower. who I, uh, Laura, by the way, I, my show a decade ago was the second show that she was ever on. And the first on video. We interviewed her on our video Sky Watchers Radio TV, and uh, we found her fascinating ten years ago. And uh, she's still, uh, you know, doing the uh, the same, uh, you know, argument about the the story about Mars and uh, what she's gone through. Uh, and there's a lot of good uh, information on these documentaries. Are you working on anything now coming up uh, that is in the same genre? Or are you expanding a little bit, or what's uh, happening in the near future for you?
1: Um. Yeah, well, just on Laura, just I wanted to add, um, actually, Laura was was the key kind of a key person to trigger me to re explore Mm -hmm. the Mars theme, because um, I think maybe she was on the first interview she ever did that I heard by coincidence, because it was about 10 years ago, I think it was about 10 years ago that I started the process of filming packing from ours. It took five more years to complete it um, and a uh, very fascinating personality uh, uh, in, in our world right now taking a very interesting role, um, kind of like a punk spiritual warrior as I called yeah. it back then. Um, but yeah, um, what we're working on now is is uh, we're working on a couple of projects that uh, we, we aren't really disclosing yet. We tend to be very secretive about uh, what we do because we feel it dissipates the energy somewhat if we go on too much about what we're working in. And we can't exactly crowdfund some of this stuff because um, it's, some of it is so sensitive that it would draw not only the positive attention if we were trying to raise money for it, but also possibly negative attention that we don't necessarily yeah. want. Uh, but I can say that one of the things that we've been um, in the early stages of completing is the next f- series and the series of films that we do with Klaus Donna. Uh, There's a film we did called the Klaus Donner Chronicles, Secret World One, and that was sort of documenting Klaus. For those who don't know who Klaus is, he's a Austrian out of place artifacts researcher and ties into the subject of, you know, uh, our history and technology that may have existed because he's documented and found evidence of technologies that existed millions possibly of years ago, which obviously would contradict everything that we've learned in the regular form of school science and and archaeology. And uh, he's been down in the Philippines kind of treasure hunting for the Yamashito gold uh, for the last couple of years and has made some amazing discoveries and some amazing breakthroughs. So uh, we're going to be, you know, putting some of that into a new film for Klaus So you can be looking for that coming out in the next while um awesome. and uh that you know that that's something that we've we've planned to do with him for quite a while yet it's just very difficult worth with all of us living so far apart from one another all of us are, um, when we explore this fringe material, we're not exactly, you know, it's like you have to fund it all yourself. Yeah. So you have to kind of do it on the side. And you don't want to compromise the integrity of the information. You don't want to be beholden to a sponsor and therefore have a bandwidth that you have to stay to because of your crossing they, over. You become part of the problem and not part of the
2: solution. Right. So the you, yeah, I one you.
1: of the things that I decided from right from the start is that I didn't want to have that filter. I wanted to explore a subject matter unfiltered and go as deep as I want to, without any political influence, without any other influence, and and you know we've maintained that that concept and principle to this day, and we intend on maintaining it moving forward into the future. So yeah, but otherwise people can check out our our website, like uh, www.packingformarsmovie.com, if they want to. If they don't know about Packing for Mars, there's always amazing. that, You know we don't really um, have the marketing muscle of a major television or film studio. Um, so it's it amazes me that really the bandwidth, the amount of people that have seen Packing for Mars is still very little compared to that have seen like yeah. Avatar or some major film. So any promotion that we, we get and it just introduces a new audiences. I'm always amazed that I'm still getting letters and responses from people from all parts of the world that have just now discovered Packing for Mars. And the cool thing is that Packing for Mars, although we released it, um, just uh, just over about four and a half years ago, yeah. officially. 2015, right, yeah. Um, well, at the end of 2015, we brought out a preliminary yeah. release, and 2016 was when it really, the official final right. version got released. And and ever since then, I mean, the material on the film is still cutting edge. It's still revolutionary. There's still a subject matter being explored in Packing from Mars, despite the wave of David Wilcock, Corey Good, you know, out there versions of, of, of a secret space program that aren't explored by them that we explored in Packing for Mars, and we were exploring it years before anybody else did. So, which is right. kind of cool because we've been, in a way, uh, vindicated that our efforts to make a film that, that was sound and interesting and explores it multi dimensionally, not just from a physical standpoint, but from a mental and spiritual standpoint. You know, we have Big Buy in the film talking about something called Empty, which is, you know, the idea of what keeps people from exploring this I and mean, there's a lot of t- subjects in the film which are cool you know we also did solar revolution which was a film that we produced in the course of making packing for Mars, which deals with the cause the influence of the cosmic radiation hitting us right now which is contributing to the involuntary evolution of humanity which all mm-hmm. of it is together adding to this next evolutionary leap that we're expecting we're going to make and we're expecting that we make it sooner rather than later. <laughs> so those three yeah, projects yeah. were kind of like the the pivotal projects, klaus Donna Chronicles, Packing for Mars and Solar Revolution that led us to, you know, we then we produced, you know, that Timeless series and and now we're working on the next klaus Donna and we've got a bunch of other projects which are quite quietly um, evolving in the background. Frank,
2: whenever you have anything you want to promote, man, uh, you know, it'll be an honor and a pleasure to put it on the website. Uh, cross-promoted as much as possible here on, on, on our networks and uh, and bring you back on as often as possible. Just I uh, want you to do me one favor. Stay safe. Uh, you know, we we joke about the virus. We talk about the virus. We acknowledge that a lot of it's hoaxy. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, we, we all have to uh, keep our composure and stay safe because you never know, you might be a targeted individual and they might go after you. And, I
1: agree.
2: acknowledge uh, technology works, there might be something in the air that gets into you nanobot technology g5 you never know conspiracies are facts you know we didn't saying? even
1: get into geoengineering you know and we didn't get into yeah. that so yes this stuff exists and, and thank you very much for for that and i i of course uh, extend that to you as well because uh, you're obviously promoting and putting out subject matter which uh which, which is crashing down the walls of the status quo, which, is ha- which has, has shown historically has a great level of resistance for, yep. for it as well.
2: <laughs> Thank you so much for being here with me tonight, man. And uh, I want to bring you on before the year's over and talk more with you. I know we're limited to only an hour uh, on the show, unfortunately, because of the show's coming up, but I really want to get more in-depth uh, in with you on these other projects. Uh, like you said, we've only skimmed the surface here, and uh, it's been an honor and a pleasure. Having you on, thank well, you so well, much. thanks, thanks for having me. We'll talk soon again, sir. Would look forward to it. And uh, that, folks, is the great Frank Jacob. Again, uh, look for uh, his work on IMDb. Check out the uh, the amount of stuff he's put in there. Uh, Check out the documentary, uh, Packing for Mars. Uh, It's an amazingly well-put-together documentary, and I say that not just because he's uh, the guest on tonight, but because it's really the truth. It's a really well-put-together documentary. Also, the Solar Revolution, his uh, TV series, Timeless, and again, we're going to promote anything that he has coming up. One more time, Frank, give us the website address. they can follow you along.
1: Uh, www.packingformarsmovie.com and then there's www.solarrevolutionmovie.com and there's www.KlausDonna, D-O-N-A, chronicles.com. and you'll you'll be uh, you'll be well equipped there to uh, begin to eat away at the programming of your um, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> uh, your your <laughs> reprogramming of your of your consciousness. You're awesome, man! Thank you so much. Love having you on. Talk soon. Thanks for having me.
2: Take care. Bye.